Greetings, party people, and welcome to the 14th episode of Infoscape, which is the fourth round of season two. We have definitely come a long way, fam. So, first, I'm going to rip off a band-aid here. We will not be doing budget talk today. I hate to keep switching up, but there is something else more pressing. And um, I guess that's the bright side of rolling solo right now because there is no pressure to stick to a schedule. I have not abandoned budgeting and personal finance, but we are going to um, we're going to shift our focus today. As you may or may not know, we are staring down the barrel of an energy crisis. My apologies if this is the first time you are hearing us. So that is the new agenda, and we definitely will return to personal finance. But to be one hundred percent honest with you, I am not exactly sure when, but I promise we will. You have my word on that. With all that being said, let's jump in. is still Black History Month. If this is your first time with us, that was Lift Every Voice and Sing, written by James Weldon Johnson and performed for us by my dear brother, Malachi. I celebrate all that is my culture and all that is to become of my history. Like I said in the opening, America is staring down the barrel of a natural gas crisis or energy crisis, meaning that we're approaching. If you're not familiar with the saying staring down the barrel of, it means approaching. And there is an argument that that crisis is already here. So just sit with that. The interesting thing about all of this, uh, among, among many things, is that similar events occurred in the 1970s. Many of you are my age, so you weren't alive in the 70s. But I think it's important to pull some facts here and to show where we could be heading. I had the privilege of studying this crisis in 2018, and I have pulled my notes from my research to help break this down. After the breakdown, we'll transition into our current events. So 
here it goes. This is going to be very, very quick. I'm going to get through this as soon as possible. If I say some terms that you are not familiar with, feel free to DM me on social media and ask me for an explanation. Or you can just pause this episode and Google it. I took out a lot of the more um, economically technical terms and, you know, all of that fancy jargon and kind of boiled it down to just plain language that everybody can understand. You know, that's that's my entire thing, y'all. So here we go. Energy crisis of the 1970s. It was oil and natural gas, of course. It was during Nixon's presidency, and it dealt with a maximum price control. There was no market clearing here, meaning that a wrench was thrown into the natural balance. Inflation, of course, causes rising prices. It was illegal to pay over $8 for oil coming out of our ground in the United States. OPEC, or the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, restricted output and raised the price, which is monopolist behavior. President Nixon's price control transferred power to OPEC. Then you have the gasoline lines of the 1970s. There were basically long lines of cars to get gas. There was a 55 mile per hour speed limit to slow people down, thus using less gas. Then there were three very scary words, odd, even, rationing which means the government gave days to specifically slash legally buy your gas. So people were stealing license plates to buy gasoline because it went by, you know, if you had an odd number at the end of your license plate or an even number by the end of your license plate, you know what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying, how um, how the days were allocated like that. And you were given gas ration coupons, meaning you could only buy gas with the coupons and they were non-tradable. So you had 2.1 gallons of gas for every driving age person. Now, that was set by the government. And then you have synthetic fuels or shale oil that was basically going to be mass produced by bulldozing the Rocky Mountains in Colorado at $80 per barrel. But there was a lawsuit brought by the Sierra Club. And their main premise for this lawsuit was that environmental impact statements, which you have to do when you drill for anything in this country, to my knowledge, does not exclude the government. And there was a federal driving age of 25, meaning that I and many others that I know would have lost their license because if you're 25, even before it was, you know, like if you weren't 25 by time this um, this was implemented, you still, like, you lost your license. It was inviolate, null and void, don't get behind the wheel of a car, or you probably will be thrown in jail and that was meant to use less gas and there was like no drive Sundays which basically mean you know no driving on Sundays and that was projected to save 14 percent of gas there's also the outlawing of frivolous uses of gas now frivolous the measure of frivolous was set by the Energy Regulatory Commission. I said that weird. Energy Regulatory Commission. So that means sport auto racing, NASCAR, Indy 500. I don't know. I'm not really into like sport racing, but all of that stuff was outlawed. And what's really crazy is that sport auto racing invented fuel injections. You know anything about cars um, and, you know, engineering with cars and all that good stuff. That is how. That, that is what makes cars efficient. It was invented by, you know, what was now considered frivolous at this time. And, and, it, and it goes back to a point that you'll probably hear a lot of economists and, you know, economic historians and people in finance maybe say that there is more knowledge in the open market 
than in bureaucracy because all of these things that were instituted to try to help things actually made them worse. Now we're going to continue to some more things. In Missouri, water boats were outlawed, you know, because like the gas it takes for the engines and you could get prison time for being caught using a water boat. So people would be freezing to death because of the inability to warm their homes, because like I said, none of these regulations worked. President Jimmy Carter addressed the nation during the energy crisis. He called it the moral equivalent of war, and he asked individuals to keep their homes at 68 degrees. Now, mind you, this was an arbitrary number written by a speechwriter. It was not based on anything scientific. And he gave census takers thermometers that they could go in your house and make sure it was at 68 degrees. And for businesses, they had... You, you, you know, like the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts and whatnot, they had them spy on businesses by going inside with thermometers. Then he proposed unscrewing every fifth light bulb you see because electricity with natural gas, you know, only Gulf states use gas for electricity. And then he proposed turning off Christmas lights, you know, to show respect for those that were dying. And he outlawed hot water. And he said, and I quote, Hot water is a luxury we can no longer afford. Okay. And then I hope y'all are staying with me and didn't pause me. Like, please stay with me on this. I promise y'all I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. And if you want me to go more into the research that I've done on this and, you know, been privileged to do in other areas of economic history, all you got to do is, you know, hit me up on social media and ask. Trust me, I have I have bounds of this stuff. I would love to share it with you. That's why I started this project. Um, All right. So moving on. We're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. Hang in there with me. Alfred Kahn, K-H-A-N. He is an expert in regulation and deregulation, and he was the driving mind behind getting rid of these price controls. It was an 18-month phase up to the equilibrium and Reagan abolished the price controls in about 1981. And I will link a article to this episode um, from the actual New York Times newspaper in which they published an article about him abolishing the price controls. Um, It has been translated to a format that you can just, you know, open on your laptop, computer or any electronic device. Very, very cool. All right, let's take a short break. And we'll be back. All right. In the words of the famous rap duo tag team, whoop, there it is. If you don't get that reference, I'm sorry. If you get the reference, but you just think the joke was bad, I'm sorry. Work with me. I'm trying to be lively these days. All right. Moving on to 2021. I probably should have done this before, but, you know, energy crisis is an energy crisis is defined as the concern that the world's demands on the limited natural resources that are used to power industrial society are diminishing as the demand rises. So 
that's pretty like self-explanatory to me but i just want to put it in there to make sure like if anybody's kind of lost like okay what does energy crisis mean i keep hearing that nobody's explained it to me there it is i did the joke again but like less bad all right so to get my facts down because honestly that's there's so many so much going on and like from like every angle with this issue because it is a quote-unquote developing story and I really hate to use that term when there's real suffering going on out there but for you know just blanket purposes that's what's going on right now so I, I wanted to get a good baseline as to the general motif as what is going on and as I go through this explanation I hope that you're seeing the parallels between what happened in the 70s and what's kind of happening right now like i hope we don't get to 70s extreme i don't feel like gas lines like that's just not something i'm interested in doing or having my license revoked you know to save gas so let's get down to business all righty so I turn to Politico and Bloomberg i like to use only two sources at a time because i don't want to confuse myself for you all, both articles and two other articles that I also use just for my own personal reading and the New York Times article from the earlier segment talking about the energy crisis from the 70s will be linked to this episode. I encourage you to, of course, as always, to do your own research on this because I give you just enough to start the conversation and to get the idea in your head. But I really, 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 really hope you guys are like going the extra mile with this. Or as far as you feel like going, depending on how interested you are in the topic. Do you? All right. So, the unpredictable weather has created power outages from North Dakota to Texas on this past Tuesday. Many people were forced to suffer in the cold, which shined a light on the vulnerability of the Texas grid when it comes to harsh weather. Politico is predicting that this crisis could be a positive for President Biden's proposition to allocate money to strengthen the nation's electric grid as it would connect wind and solar power plants to communities and states miles away from each other. And this is crucial if we are ever going to make a turn to rely on alternative energy sources to keep the lights on. However, as we have seen in the past, what happens with bureaucracy and regulatory intervention gets involved. Things don't always go as planned. There are always unattended consequences, and the government is not exempt from those unattended consequences affecting their constituents. As Kevin Book, managing director of at the consulting firm Clearview Energy Partner, says, when supply doesn't show up, legislative or regulatory intervention begins. The reactivity to a supply shock is one of the few things you can rely on. Energy demand is super high right now, and in these states, individuals are suffering more and more every day. But investigations are just now starting, and grid operators report that at least 30 gigawatts of power propelled by natural gas, coal, and nuclear power went offline Monday in conjunction with 16 gigawatts of renewable power. So, my question, among others, I have a lot, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, bore you guys with all of my questions unless you want to hear those questions. Then again, let me know. This is the People's Podcast. I've said it time and time again. Let me know what you want to hear or I'm just going to guess. So my main question is if switching to alternative energy sources would completely fix this issue. You know, there is still so much we don't know. 
seeing as though this is a quote-unquote developing story. Again, I've told you my feelings on using that terms, but we do know that heavily regulation typically fails. We see that in the 70s. Another question of reliability comes to mind. Doing away with natural gas has never been done before and will most likely be a steep learning curve and more will suffer. And I personally, I don't know about you, want to avoid that. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas that controls the power grid reports that emergency conditions are over, but AccuWeather reports that the damage done will reach about 50 billion. Billion. With a B. 50 of them. Hmm. However, seeing as though we have spent most of this episode talking about the more scientific facts of what's going on, I want to switch gears to the more humanitarian aspect. Bloomberg Green reports that about 180,000 homes and businesses are still without power. Like, that's today, y'all. The article was updated, I want to say it like two-something on today, which is February 19th. And more than 14.4 million people were affected. Now, I know plenty of people that were affected. And I'm sure you do, too. And if you are one of those individuals, there are no words. Saying I'm sorry doesn't cut it. Well, that's all I have for you today. I will be keeping up with this, and I I hope you will too. We're still going to talk about finance, I promise. Don't worry, but this is definitely more pressing. Make sure you follow this podcast on whatever platform you use, and feel free to like us on Facebook or follow me on Twitter for updates. Until next time, loves, stay real, stay blessed, stay learning, wear your mask and stay six feet apart and stay warm, y'all. Peace.